0: One of the joys of growing older is being able to enhance your memory of events that took place in the past. Many of us grew up in a time where, for example, on Thanksgiving, you made a trip to Grandma's house. The family did. And I know the kids always enjoyed going to Grandma's house. The whole way there, they sometimes fussed and carried on about having to go. As you got older, you realized what you had, sometimes what you missed. There's something about family, and there's something about spending that time together, that as time unfolds, you cherish that time that you've had together because, as we quickly learn, we lose a lot of our family unexpectedly. I'm saying that because We're a family here at downtown. We are scattered about physically, and sometimes it's hard for us to take those times to get together to enjoy that fellowship with one another. But when we miss those opportunities, you miss something. And you're not ever able to claim that again. Uh, The third Friday of each month, we have downtowners. Now, for those who came over from Cedar Hill, the group was called 59ers, I believe it was. This is not the 59ers, this is the downtowners. It's a congregational affair. And when you miss that, and I know it's hard at times because of work schedules and such along that line, but there's a time of fellowship, a time where we get to know each other a little bit differently under different circumstances, get to reminisce about a little bit of of life and find out a little bit about each other. And when we do not avail ourselves of that, you miss some golden opportunities to learn about one another and time to go together. The third Thursday, we have mission printing that goes over to Arlington. The other three Thursdays, we meet here at the Broad Street House to correlate material for mission printing. And that's another opportunity for fellowship. It's just a short period of time that we meet and collate and staple and have fellowship with one another, share with one another. If you show up unexpectedly, you might think we do not like each other. Uh, We do tease one another, but we do enjoy that fellowship together. Those opportunities are given to us because, again, it doesn't take long to realize how quickly we've lost. Some fellowship, lost some time to be together that you never can recall, or you may not have had a part in, and we don't realize what we have in being the children of God and having that opportunity to encourage one another, to uplift one another, and just to enjoy being with each other along the way. Those opportunities are listed in the bulletin, and they're there oftentimes, they're on the screen as well. Encourage you to take note of that, ladies' Bible class on Tuesdays, and, and other opportunities that are given for us to have fellowship with each other, and we need to take a, avail ourselves of that opportunity. Now, sometimes we're restricted on that. The ladies had a retreat. I, I took Pat down to the retreat, and I was quickly informed that I didn't have a skirt on, uh, and I wasn't welcome there to, to stay. And I told him, I said, even if I had a skirt on, I don't think you'd let me stay. <laughs> but those opportunities are there. They're there for a reason. Because this life is all too quick. And then the time is gone. And we miss some times along the way. I have mentioned about my grandfather died when I was about nine. One of the things I remember about him is telling about his traveling from New Hampshire to California on a train in the 1900s. And the only thing I remember is the fact that he would talk about, he says, you know, that train moves so fast that if you were on the train, you could shoot a jackrabbit out there in the field, you could get off the train, go get the jackrabbit, and get back on the train before it got too far down the track. Uh, I'd like to know why did he leave New Hampshire to go to California? Uh, never know. There's some things we don't know about what brought us here along the way. The different things that were involved in that. It's just part of being a family. Because we have that opportunity and we need to be careful along the way. Trust and obey what God is asking of us, and as we learn to do that, it really changes the life that we live. When we learn to trust each other and obey God's commands about our being family, about our fellowship in one another, we find out that we have a lot that we can give to each other and a lot of support that we can give to each other along the way. We're reminded, as we mentioned this morning, trying to understand God's plan of why he created this world, trying to understand why God is patient with us, understanding he's trying to grant us opportunity in which to make a change in our life, but also understanding that he has given us that free will And how many times we can and have abused that free will that God has given to us. There was a time again in those olden days when a child did something wrong, that there was a retribution for it. If I did something wrong at school, I know there's going to be something that I was going to suffer at when I got back home as well. That was part of life. And oftentimes, and I'm reminded of the scripture, it's in Ecclesiastes 8 and in verse 11. It has a lot to do with the world in which we live, and it has a lot to do with our concept towards God as well. The sentence against evil is not execute, executed swiftly. Therefore, the heart of the sons of man are fully towards doing evil. Because the execution of the injustice is not swiftly carried out, we feel free to keep on that particular course. And we live in a world that's that way. You know, how many times do you read of individuals who have done things and have continued to do things and continue to do things because there's no execution of a judgment against them? Got a blimp on one of a 10 year old boy who was trying to hijack a car. 10 year old boy, already been accused of doing that previously. Spent some time in juvie and he's out trying to hijack another car. And so, how does God work with all of this and how does He work with us? We do have those cases where punishment was executed swiftly. But as with anything, once time goes by, that quickly seems to disappear. You can look in Leviticus 10. 1 through 3, and read of the execution of Nadab and Abihu, who offered a strange fire unto the Lord that he had not commanded them. You see, the consequence of the immediate death being burned with fire. You see, the charge given to Aaron not to weep for his sons or show any grief for his sons, because that's God's judgment. And it brought fear, but then that wasn't long-lasting as well. You can read in Acts 5, they Sapphira and Ananias, and they're lying to the Holy Spirit, and they're being swiftly brought down and killed. It says, great fear came upon the church. But that didn't last long either. And We deal with a life of trying to realize there's good and there's bad, if you will, in Execution not being given towards transgressions that have been committed. One is it does grant us opportunity to change our life. The second part, always the negative side, is that since it's not, many individuals do not feel a need to repent because there's been no punishment. Concept nowadays is God is this great God of love who would not punish anybody eternally in hell, so there is no eternal punishment. There is no consequences outside this life of what we do. And as long as you haven't been caught on it, then you need to go on. But sin will find you out. We see it in this world. Again, all you have to do is run for political office, you don't have to run for a political office. Just watch the campaign ads on television and you can see all the evils that somebody has done. Years gone by that has gone undetected until a particular time, despite all the denials to the contrary. But we are reminded in Hosea 8 and in verse 7, if you sow to the wind you're going to reap the whirlwind and you see that all the time in the physical world you see it in the spiritual world as well you sow to the wind and it does not seem so bad whatever it is you doing in the physical world or spiritually the transgressions that are made it seem uh, so minor along the way it's just a minor discrepancy here or there and this a minor alteration or a change being made and you reap the whirlwind. And lives are lost. Spiritual lives are lost. And it's hard then to try to go back and to reclaim it. For those who have been near rivers that flow down towards a waterfall no, there's a place where it's called the point of no return. If you're floating down, if you get to this one point, if you haven't turned back now, you've got an experience ahead of you. You're going over the falls. And it's okay, because there's no sense of danger in going down the river. No sense at all. Until you hear the sound or if you pass that point and then it's way too late. People live their life that way. Countless individuals have lived their life without regard to God. Later on, to recognize that change or need to make that change because life is coming to an end. And you need to want to make things right. I've been there when. A loved one was about to die and has called the family in and had the family stand outside the room and he called them in one by one and talked to them. Trying to warn them of a danger that they were embarking upon To warn them of a danger of delay. In his case, it was almost too late before he changed, but he had changed. But his concern was the spiritual well-being of his family. To this day, as far as I know, neither one of those boys have changed. Chris is not in need. I'm healthy, I'm strong, I'm able to do what I want. Why do I have, what do I have to worry about? And life tells you every single day. There's hardly a day that goes by that you cannot hear, watch, read, whatever you do with the news or don't do with the news. It happens whether you're watching or reading about it or not. Every single day, somebody is losing their life unexpectedly. As far as I know, I have not heard of an individual who has woken up on Monday morning and says, you know, I have to believe this is the day I'm going to die. They don't do that. They don't do that. They do not do that. But they do. They die. (laughs) But they hadn't planned on it. There's a price to be paid. There's a high price for wild oats. Boys just need to sow the wild oats. But there's a harvest. And Hosea said, it's a whirlwind. It's a harvest. It's nothing like you sowed. It is ten times worse. Because, see, every day that we live, we encounter souls your presence here to the seeming you're encountering souls and you're touching souls for good prayerfully or not and that touch that you have on the soul of an individual once it's gone there's not reclaiming it. And there's a need to be very careful in the life that we live. Paul in Romans 1, verses 18 through 32, reminds us of what happens when we have that tendency of putting off what we know. Verse 20 reminds us that creation tells you that there is a God, so the Gentiles are without excuse. They know there is a God, but they've chosen not to follow Him. You can trace that all the way back into Genesis and see again where they made that departure and they just stayed away and they know there is a God, but they're not going to follow Him. And as you read on down farther there in Romans 1, particularly verse 24, 26, and 28, they live such a life that God gave them over or God gave them up. I don't know how that affects you, but just to read those words, God gave them up. A loving, patient, long-suffering, compassionate, desirous of every soul's salvation that a soul would reach a point that God says, I'm done. Reaping the whirlwind, the high price of those wild oats. Seems so nice along the way. And yet the damage that is done. Again, how many times do you read of individuals who have sold some wild oats on a Friday night or a Saturday night been in a car wreck, injured, a dad-to-be, <coughs> killed the unborn baby. And this have to be able to say, "I'm sorry." I made a terrible mistake. High price of those wild oats. High price of sowing to the wind. How do you reclaim anything back from that? How do you set anything right from that? Again, the hope, the only hope that we have is found within the scriptures. You look at the Apostle Paul or Saul of Tarsus at the time. You read of his account in Acts 8, first couple of verses, Acts 9, the first couple of verses. Read a little further in Acts 22, 24, 26. Read of his accounts in Galatians 1 and 2. See what he did and how he would be able to say that he was the chief of sinners, but he found mercy through the blood of Christ. That he could set the example of what God is able to do. That he can take the worst of all and make them a child of the living God. There is forgiveness. But the consequences, yes, he knew what he did in the past had been forgiven. Yet he talked about it, did he not? He brought it up from time to time. That's part of your life. There's no way to undo what you have done You can have forgiveness of the guilt and have that removed, the consequence of that sin for you. But what you did to another person is still there. You see a little bit when he first became that child of God and came back to Jerusalem and wanted to join himself with the disciples and they did not want him. And Barnabas had to speak up. Because that group in Jerusalem that Saul came back to was a group that he had gone from house to house, dragging out men and women, casting his vote to have them put to death for no other reason than being a Christian. And now he's looking at those orphans, looking at those widows, looking at those widowers, eyeball to eyeball. Oh, but for the grace of God. How many times have somebody said that? But for the grace of God, there go I. That God's grace is there for all. It's not God's grace that they're not experienced. It's it's God's grace that they will not take advantage of. And again, once that step is taken, again, it is so easy as you begin to move away, or to slide away, to drift away. This little things. Nobody saw, nobody knew, nobody it didn't make any difference. Whatever else is involved. It's so easy, sometimes in a store. I don't know how many people use cash anymore as there used to be a day when that was the going thing. You'd buy whatever it was and you'd give them money and they'd give you change back. And there's been time when they've given back too much change. And you tell them about it and says, you gave me an extra 10. Well, why would you give it back? Why didn't you just simply take it? Because it's not right, One. if you had shortchanged me 10 bucks, you could rest assured I'd talk to you about it. So if you gave me $10 too much, what's the problem of giving it back? But those little things that can take place, then it just grows out. And the heart drifts away from God. are you... as close to god as you were when you came up out of the water grave of baptism remember that day what a day of rejoicing that was are you as close to god today your understanding may be deeper Your convictions may be strong, but are you as close to God as you was on that day? The scriptures give us so many examples of those who started out well and then drifted away. We've looked before in previous weeks at Solomon, the last of the United Kingdoms, the king, the riches of all the kings, the wealth was untold, the, the wisdom was unmatched, and yet he had begun to drift so far that he reached a point where he wouldn't turn back. What a thought to consider the end result of that. Faithful to God, how many kings of Israel and Judah started out fine and then drifted away? Let the world influence and pull them away. What will we do with Jesus? Are we coming to Jesus tonight? Do we understand who he is? Do we understand the depths of his love for you as an individual? His care, his concern, his compassion, his desire. His longing to see you develop into what he knows you can be. Which far excels what you think you can be because it's his power that works within you. He grants us an opportunity each day that we live. He grants us an opportunity as we have that opportunity to meet and to worship him together. But it's up to us as an individual. We can pray, we can plead, we can encourage, we can rebuke, we can chasten. But that choice has to be yours. And God leaves it open. Anytime one turns, as the prodigal son did when he went home, regardless of what he had done when he went home, the father was waiting for him and ran to meet him. That's a picture of God longing for his children to be his children who understand in my father's house there is more than enough food for me to live. Just let me be in the house. I'll just be a servant. But God says, no, you will never be a servant in the house of God. You will be a child of the king. If you have a need this evening, if your life is not where it needs to be, if you need to make a change, if we could assist you, if we could help you, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.